Welcome back to the Commonwealth Classical Liberal Podcast. This pod, like the Classical Liberal Party of Virginia or the CLPVA, is a home for those who believe in open markets, open minds, and free people. Thanks for joining us each and every week. Please listen, subscribe, and tell your friends. Last week, we returned to our platform series and discussed the topic of self-defense. This week, we'll look at a very important topic to most Virginians, and I think most Americans, the topic of health care. Before we dive into that, I want to welcome back Brian Doss. Brian, you're flying solo with me today. How's, how is it going? How are you doing? Uh, doing all right. Uh, we, we just had like uh, four seasons in uh, one week uh, here. That's a, yeah, it went from uh, 12 degrees to 77 in the course pace of uh, 48 hours. So, uh, yeah, welcome to Virginia. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All Virginians can recognize our, our incredibly remarkable seasonal shifts. Yeah, we, we had ice on the patio. We had mud on the patio it was dry and it was hot and it, it, it was it was crazy so yeah this is uh i'll tell you what though I, i'm not going to complain about snow and ice melting so i'm i'm okay with it i'm okay with it well brian th- thanks for taking time to talk this topic today i think this is this is one that i think you know it, it comes up in every election it's a it's a sensitive topic because everybody wants health care everybody wants access to health care when they need it we've all experienced serious medical issues we have family and loved ones who've gone through serious medical issues like everybody gets that this is an important topic and and it's so hard to understand like viable solutions ways to help people have reasonable care you know for, for their health needs so i'm going to i'm going to read off as we have in the past sort of the, the the platform position on healthcare and i'd love for you to explain to us like how this helps you know where these ideas come from what are they intended to do so if you'll bear with me i'm just going to read this off again it's directly accessible from the website the clpvs website anybody can go there and see this and other platform positions it is a position on healthcare reform. Healthcare in Virginia is beset by a mismatch between high demand and low supply. This is due in part to state regulations that prevent providers from offering more healthcare services and more healthcare facilities. To resolve this crisis of supply and to bring prices down for all, I'm sorry, to bring prices down, we call for the elimination of certificate of need laws at the state and local levels allowing full practice authority for nurse, nurse practitioners to evaluate patients, including examination, diagnosis, ordering and interpretation of diagnostic tests, establishing a treatment plan and prescribing medication. And finally, elimination of restrictions on cash-based non-insurance-based practice to allow Virginians to procure care without being forced into the insurance bureaucracy. So Brian, there's a problem identified here, right? High demand, low supply, what's not really good for anybody, and three specific recommendations here the COPVA is advocating for. So let, let's talk to those a little bit. We can maybe take the first one or two together, or we can take them apart, but, but talk to us a little bit. We, we, we discussed certificate of need laws back in episode three. We discussed individual liberty for all. For anybody that missed that episode, you can go back. Brian speaks well to the challenge certificate of need laws, how they frustrate um, some, some opportunity for, for businesses and for consumers like us of healthcare. But Brian, can you briefly talk about certificate of need laws and why we're calling for the elimination of that at the state and local level? And if you want, either we can we can include or talk separately to the idea of giving full practice authority to nurse practitioners. Where do they where do these ideas come from? What do they really mean? What are they intended to do? Oh well, the uh, it's, it's pretty straightforward. Like as we stated in the in the platform, is that the the high demand, low supply, and certificate of need laws and the uh, nurse practitioner uh, prohibitions. Uh, directly reduce supply. I mean, that is their function. Uh, it's not, there is no, uh, like, safety benefit. There's no 
uh, you know, efficiency benefit to, to these things. It's, it's basically almost naked uh, protectionism of incumbents. Um, and so when we, the, so, but back to the certificate of need, basically think about this. Uh, you have a business or you want to open up a business in, uh, in a town, say your restaurant, uh, and you would have, and according to this law, imagine if you had to go over and ask, uh, you know, you had to ask the state, who then ask all of your competitors whether or not you should be allowed to open up your <laughs> your restaurant. Yeah. And uh, you know, what what would that? You know, of course, they're going to say no, like eight eight, eight out of nine times, unless they think you're just like you know ludicrous. Uh, but that that's the problem that's beset with healthcare. They think that this is you know supposedly you know a special case that we have to have special laws to prevent you know you know too much you know. Healthcare being provided, yada yada. It's not the state's concern whether or not a business, you know, makes a good decision or not, based on like building a hospital or building a you know, healthcare, you know, some other healthcare facility, uh, et cetera. And it's certainly not the the job of the state to help protect incumbents from competition. Uh, that's what a certificate of need. You have to basically go and beg the state and show that like we really need to have this more, and not just that we nice uh, nice to have. And then everybody can always just argue that, well, that's really a nice to have. It's not a need, yada, yada, yada. But that's the point. It goes over it. Certificate of need laws uh, explicitly prevented, and I think I said this before, but uh, you know, it bears repeating, uh, it prevented a neonatal uh, intensive care unit from being built out in the West, which suffers from uh, a severe lack of health care access. Uh, and they were going to build a new facility so it would be closer to the people. Uh, the incumbent said no. Yeah. And that was that. You know, so the, the the quickest way to get more supply is to stop people who, who want to supply, and they're using their own money. By the way, they're not like begging the government for, please, you know, put a buy uh, line in an item in there to build this facility for us. No, they're using their own money from private investors, their own company, et cetera, to build these healthcare facilities. They should be allowed to do that. Period. There's just no state. I mean, as long as they're following all the, obviously, all the health, you know health and safety uh, you know, practices as they should, whether or not to be, get to build their business is no business of the state. Right. It sounds like, you know, th these, these rules basically protect existing businesses at the expense of entrepreneurs, innovators, and those of us who are seeking greater access to healthcare. Is that, is that a fair statement or am I exaggerating that? Oh, that's absolutely true. I mean, it's really an understatement. It's so bad that most states in the United States have repealed or like effectively repealed uh, their former certificate of need laws. Virginia is not, is, is not one of them. They still uh, hold in place uh, you know, today. But uh, people in, across the nation started to realize, oh, wait, this is really bad, you know, for a number of reasons, for prudential reasons, for uh, like, you know, moral reasons, et cetera, you know, that protecting incumbents and more, uh, let's not under, you know, not, not under, underplay this, limiting the access of new health care to the people is not a proper function of the state. And so the, this has been repealed. Uh, con laws came into effect about 40, 40 50 years ago uh, uh, during like the 70s crisis. Uh, and then most have been in most of the states, they're gone now. Um, but in Virginia, they stay on the book. So again, this isn't something like, oh, geez, what are we going to do in the Wild West if we if we get rid of this regulation? Well, we know what's going to happen. 
there's going to be more health care, and, you know, that's that. I mean, the rest of the health care hasn't collapsed in the states that have gotten rid of uh, con laws, and it won't collapse here in Virginia. Yeah, it's only, only upside. And I think that, that, that's the story of, of 50 states, right? The idea that we can sort of experiment with laws, see what works and doesn't work, and then adjust accordingly. And this is a case where there may have, I'm being generous, been a time and place for this. It was implemented in many parts across the country. And over time, people said, hey, this isn't helping individuals access health care. It is actually helping you know, existing businesses at, at the harm of, of our citizens. And they've been repealed. So this, this isn't some crazy idea these classical liberals are, are coming up with, but actually something that's very practical and, and being seen and observed in other states across our union, right? And I think if you don't mind, I'd like to sort of continue that thought into the second recommendation, which I think also at first, you know, folks might be a little bit alarmed, like, whoa, what are you proposing here? But like with certificate of need laws and repealing those laws, it's, it's an idea that's been commonly supported across the country. And so if, if I can, Brian, let's talk about full practice authority, right? So mm-hmm. party supports full practice authority for nurse practitioners in some specific areas. And I, I listed those off earlier, some basic medical functions saying, hey, nurse practitioners can do this too. And it should be noted that the American Association of Nurse Practitioners also supports this issue. And, and you can see that um, this has been implemented, just to your, your previous point, across the country, right? In, in Alaska, Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Delaware, D.C., Guam, Hawaii. I can continue on uh, through Vermont, Washington, and Wyoming. In, in, in half the country, uh, nurse practitioners have been given this full practice authority. So why do we want to see that here in Virginia? What is the upside for Virginians, for citizens who want greater access to health care in implementing full practice authority for nurse practitioners? Uh, well, if, if precisely that, uh, like we were saying before, this only increases healthcare uh, access, especially because a lot of people, you know, if, if you're living in the in the big crescent, you know, the 95-64 corridor from D.C. down to uh, in Norfolk and Virginia Beach, you know, Tidewater area, uh, you live in the suburban, you know, environment. There's plenty of hospitals. There's lots of minute clinics, et cetera. You kind of take access for granted. But if you're in the northern neck or in the valley or, you know, if you're way out in the mountains next to Tennessee and, uh, and Kentucky, healthcare providers are pretty hard to come by. Uh, and, it, and, of course, it's expensive in the United States to become a full-fledged doctor, which, you know, it is good. I mean, the full-fledged doctors, they're, they're valuable. They've got a lot of like, good experience. They got, you know, they can, you know, do things. Nobody's saying that, you know, you shouldn't go and, uh, and, and see a doctor, but uh, nurse practitioners, are also, uh, they have, you know, that same level of, like, general medicine, you know, care, that, you know, that basic level, like, they can diagnose illnesses, they can go, they know the list of, you know, they know what the medicines do, uh, they know what is appropriate for, for this, they can come up with treatment plans, because nurse practitioners do this under the supervision of doctors already, and if you're a nurse practitioner, you've already put in, you know, you know, in a similar amount of intensive work, but in a different direction, you know, more care, you know, Focus. Bottom line being is that nurse practitioners aren't just somebody who's like, here you go, here's a stethoscope, now you're a nurse practitioner. No, there's a heavy investment uh, in knowledge. And the thing is, though, is that uh, there are more nurse practitioners, um, you know, out there. Uh, and, you know, they can go places that full-fledged doctors uh, might not be able to go and, you know, recoup their, their investment or or basically their skills are being wasted because 80% of what they're, they're coming in for is just a, you know, boo-boo scratches, you know, some routine, you know, medicine, et cetera. Nurse practitioners could do that. They're ideal for that. 
so with like a limit giving them full practice authority almost overnight doubles the amount of potential uh, um, you know healthcare practitioners we have in Virginia, and also it's like they get set up. They don't have to have be in a hospital. They don't have to have all this elaborate equipment. They can work out of smaller places, which is ideal for you know out in the southwest, the valley, uh, northern neck, you know south side, all the places where you know it's it's hard to come by for you know the traditional you know doctor and hospital based uh, like services. Nurse practitioners can roam around. They can, you know, they can operate, you know, smaller. But most importantly, we're radically increasing the supply uh, with a stroke of a pen. We don't have to do anything. There's nurse practitioners in Virginia right now. Uh, if we just give them the authority, they could go to work. And, 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 Brian, and any, you know, when you increase the supply, you lower the cost. I mean, it's just kind of like Econ 101. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that that directly addresses the the problem statement made in the beginning. And in case somebody isn't familiar with nurse, nurse practitioners, right? I mean, one. These are highly educated, highly experienced individuals, right? They know their know their craft, right? They've been doing this. They have experience doing it. They're excellent at what they do. It's not easy to become a nurse practitioner, but at the same time, we're not suggesting that they take over brain surgery or other technical expertise that you know doctors with with, with specialized training do. We're talking about some basic medical functions that you know an, an educated, experienced individual, a professional in this career field can safely do, right? And, and as, as you said, this has been done around the country to, to, to give opportunity for people to get more access to healthcare, which I think is really the underlying issue with both of these is increasing that supply that you talked about, helping Virginians get easier, faster, potentially cheaper access to, to necessary healthcare, which to me seems like a no-brainer. I mean, it, it, there's, there's like, I'm not sure what the objections really would be to increasing that supply. Yeah, other than other than like cynical uh, protectionist ones, there, there really isn't. It's not a case of uh, like it's not a case of health or safety uh, because nurse practitioners aren't going over and diagnosing you with like serious illnesses. They like if they notice a serious illness, they will refer you to yeah. a doctor or a specialist, et cetera. So there's there's no question about uh, like any kind of like public uh, you know health concerns or you know public interest. This is all private interest. It's, you know, doctors not wanting the competition, you know, which is not a, I mean, I understand I'm not wanting the competition, but it's supposed to be America. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, I mean, and also it's not the state's uh, job to go over and protect somebody's bottom line. It just isn't. That's right. And, and that's, I think, you know, a common thread through a lot of our platform positions is, you know, we're not here to protect individual fiefdoms, individual interests of, of organizations and businesses and, uh, you know, licensing bodies. We're here to to create opportunity for Virginians, right? To give them access and choice wherever they can to include where where safe and responsibly it can be done, you know, in, in medical and healthcare issues. So I, I think these are really, you know, these aren't radical ideas that are being proposed here. They, they've been you know tested and implemented around the country. There's going to be really practical solutions to increasing the supply that Virginians need across the state, right? I mean, you talked about that, the access we have, maybe you know, my neck of the woods here, Northern Virginia, but at the same time. Like if we can get that access, if we can get that appointment, if we can get that visit faster with with a nurse practitioner who might be available, like who doesn't want that, right? Who doesn't want that availability when they need care? So Brian, two really logical, sensible, practical uh, points here in these first two. Let's go to the last one, which might be a little bit harder for folks to wrap their heads around. And this is the idea to eliminate restrictions on cash-based or non-insurance-based care. What are we really calling for there? What are we trying to solve in calling for the elimination of these restrictions. How does that help Virginians? 
Uh, this, yeah, this one is a, it's a, it's a little harder, so we'll have to walk through it. It's that uh, uh, most people, of course, their their only interaction with the the healthcare system is, uh, you know, through they have an insurance card, they go present the card, they pay a little money, they go see a doctor, uh, like, you know, a couple weeks later, you know, a balance bill comes, you know, comes due in some cases, depending, uh, and that's it. Nobody knows how much things cost. Nobody knows uh, what you know, if. One doctor, you know, costs more than another because everything is behind the curtain, uh, yeah. and and uh, and of course behind that curtain, you've got third-party people just basically, you know, pardon the Star Trek uh, reference, but they're just wagering with Quatloos. They don't. It's not their money. It's corporate money, uh, and they just have their own little uh, little fights over it. And you know, they keep jacking up the prices because they only just pay each other. Um, and so, when the times when they come up with a difference, they come up short. Suddenly, these imaginary uh, dollars become very real to a person. Uh, they get hit with a, you know, surprise. Oh, surprise! It's ten thousand dollars. Like what? You know, uh, I mean, if you knew it was going to cost ten thousand dollars, you'd shop around. But yeah. you don't know. You have to choose. You get. You you have no price uh, ability. And you know, the insurance company with third parties, they keep bidding up the prices because it's not real to them. It's not real money. Now, it's important to point out that there are certain medical procedures. Uh, that have, you know that are fairly widespread that are that have never been covered by insurance. The church says, no, we're not going to cover that. It's like uh, LASIK, uh, all all sorts of uh, plastic surgery, aside from you know some reconstructions. Um, you know the you know the big two, uh, just to just you know to, to scratch the surface. If you look at the cost inflation that has gone on with uh, all the different health uh, healthcare things, yeah, it's the cost of healthcare in general has increased above the general rate of inflation. Um, so they're getting, you know, uh, effectively more expensive year after year. Um, LASIK and plastic surgery are both below. You know, they're like in real terms cheaper than they were uh, 20, 30 years ago. And you see that whenever people, because it's the, it's the logic of the market. When people go over, they have they know that they can't just go and do, uh, you know, imaginary wages with Quatloos. They actually have to put their prices up on the internet, yeah. <laughs> uh, up front, and say this is how much it costs. They have to compete on costs. They have to know what their you know their margin is, and, and you know they got the information to go and make themselves more efficient. And uh, the practitioners of LASIK, uh, I mean, it used to be like really expensive, and now it's something that's pretty routine. And the fact that it's, it's like so automated and so, you know, just down that something that was really exotic when I was young, like, oh, geez, they're cutting your eye open and they're reshaping it. It's like, that's just an outpatient procedure. That's just guns, bing, bang, boom. Because that's how much that they've, you know, innovated and put into the technology. And it's a, that's a type of healthcare that is pretty much absolutely not uh, covered by insurance. And that's, and that's kind of the point. When, when, peop, when there is market discipline, to you know, to healthcare, uh, the prices come down, and everybody benefits. It's not the people who are doing LASIK are not hurting, <laughs> not at all. Um, they they are making they're making their money now. And here's another thing that kind of uh, you know, puts it out because the doc- doctors and especially specialists like surgeons, uh, for example, uh, hate dealing with the insurance bureaucracy. It takes long for them to get uh, longer for them to get. Uh, rem- uh, you know, funded. It's, uh, it takes longer for them to have to deal with all the paperwork, and sometimes you have to argue with this or that, et cetera. They're spending so much time; it's so painful um, that some there was a bunch of surgeons 
uh, I believe it's in Kansas City, um, that uh, basically just said, you know what, we're going to go in business for ourselves, cash only. You know, you know well, you know, just money up front. Um, yeah. Cash. They built a built a whole surgical center, and they were straight up. Here is the cost. This is what it will cost for us to do this routine surgery. This because you know, they weren't like doing like really elaborate surgeries. It's like more of the the routine ones. It's like here's here's a list. Here's what it costs ahead of time. You pay it, and you're done. Um, and the experience of that is that they one it's like oh no one's going to do this. This is too much. But they found out that they could you know what they thought was a lot was actually way less than what the, you know, the behind the curtains uh, charge was. So people were like, hey, worst case scenario, you know, I'm already better off. <laughs> and, and so they found, I think it was either 50% or, or more drop in the cost, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the customer-facing cost. Because, you know, you, get char- you get, still get billed for your, it's like, oh, you had a surgery, here's your doctor bill. You know, here's what was covered by insurance. Here, here's what's not, and they're still coming in under what your insured amount was, uh, and so that's the, you know, it's win-win for everybody. People go in because they don't have to worry about, oh, geez, am I covered by this? It's like I'm available. I can schedule. Boom, boom, boom. They did it. People come in. They're happy, uh, etc. The prices have already fallen. That's for something that's like, oh, well, that's surgery. That's that's different. It's not different. <laughs> Everyone always say, well. This is different. It's not different. It's always the same. It's the iron law of supply and demand, and also having to deal with uh, the third-party nonsense. It's like, in fact, some of them will are willing to take a cut, uh, um, you know, a cut from their uh, their pay just to get rid of the pain of dealing with uh, dealing with the um, uh, insurance companies. Yeah, it's, so. it's, it's it's a big challenge. I mean, you've identified a lot of the frustrations and issues. That are experienced, you know, both for for citizens and and for medical professionals, convoluted system. And and again, just like with the first two points, Brian, these aren't like radical ideas we're proposing here in Virginia. But for for some time, mostly from the Republican Party, I believe there has been advocacy and legislation proposed for healthcare price transparency because it is difficult to understand medical pricing. What are we being billed for? Where is my money going? Why is my insurance so high? Why am I paying so much out of pocket? And I'll share some links in the show notes, you know, showing examples of legislation, um, HR 3029 proposed in the 117th Congress. And just recently, a uh, Congresswoman from Washington State proposed uh, new legislation, uh, and a new bill that I think is still being reviewed, looking at healthcare price transparency. These aren't unknown issues. They're, they're, they're problems around the country for those seeking transparency in, the, in their healthcare. And that are paying a lot of money for, for healthcare and at times not understanding why, like, why am I doing this? I think this is, a, this is an issue I think probably everybody can, can relate to. We probably all opened up that medical bill and understood what in the world you know, was on there. We have a lot of more insurance providers saying, hey, you owe a thousand bucks and you're trying to figure out why do I owe a thousand bucks? It's difficult. And, and again, coming back down to the citizen, the, the consumer, the Virginian, like we just want transparency and, and greater access mm-hmm. that we can get the coverage they need and pay for the coverage they need. Is, is there some objection here to ideas like this? Is, is there any known objection to, you know, creating, a, 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 I'm sorry, eliminating restrictions on a cash-based or non-insurance-based healthcare system? Well, I mean, uh, I, this is, it's, again, it's, it's hard to come up with, uh, you know, to, uh, you know a, a sincere objection. I could say that people were like, the, the initial objection, of course, is that, 
oh well, you know, cash. That's you know, you know, it's the class system. It's like oh, the the working class of the poor uh, can't get it. They'll be they'll be cut out. But um, a that was what happened with LASIK, and now it's super cheap now. Um, uh, B nobody's saying that we have to go from our current system to a completely cash-based upfront system. Mm-hmm. No, it's just that you know if if somebody wanted to do like the Kansas surgery, uh, um, like that surgery center in in you know in Virginia, they should be allowed to do that, not just with a you know, certificate of need law, but also you know because it's just like we're not going to be associated with a hospital. We we don't take insurance. Uh, they should be allowed to do that, you know, straight up. And people should be allowed to choose that if they want. And I think this is the, I believe, because it's 200 years, it's almost a, almost a perfect uh, record, is that you increase supply, prices go down. Just, that's just how it works. It's the iron law of economics. And, and, it's, and it's, I mean, it's basic logic that can all kind of relate to, right? I mean, I, I own a business here in Virginia. If I have the ability to stifle my competition and say, hey, nobody else can do the work we're doing, I could charge whatever I wanted and nobody could really object. And then if I didn't have to make my, my billing clear and understandable by my clients, I could charge them. They wouldn't know what they were paying for. It, it's just, it just doesn't make sense at the surface of it, right? I mean, that obviously isn't a way to run a business. It's not in anybody's interest to do that except for you know me as a service provider. It doesn't make sense in my work. It doesn't make sense in healthcare. It doesn't make sense in any industry, right? I mean, transparency, accountability, accessibility these seem like issues that i think most folks can get on board with right they don't have a vested interest otherwise and they seem like very practical solutions that again are being discussed and implemented around the country so brian thank you for explaining these you know for us it really helps me understand it to hear you break it down like this is there anything else you'd like to touch on on the topic of healthcare that you think is is worthwhile for listeners to hear or understand uh well i mean I mean, that's basically the bottom line to all of this is that we need to expand, uh, expand supply. However, we can do it. That's you know both you know safe and in the public interest, um, especially out for uh, the communities out in you know out in the southwest, south side, northern Neck Valley, the places outside our major uh, um, uh, population centers. Um, and there's other things too, uh, which. They don't even sound like they're healthcare innovations, but they kind of, you know, kind of work. I actually saw uh, an article about uh, like uh, Microbus kind of working on the uh, the Uber model, the uh, dispatching, to be able to go over and drive to places to pick up people to get them to a clinic, uh, and that is like, you know, radically improved uh, healthcare outcomes, uh, patient, you know, happiness. Uh, and just you know, getting people to the doctor because there's a lot of places, especially out in the mountains, yeah. uh, where like because of con laws, they're uh, and the systems are monopolies. They just make monopoly decisions. They just shut down health centers. Like, oh, I had to go 30 miles. Now I have to go 100 uh, to get to a place, uh, which is just. Uh, but also that that's hard. To, it's you know, especially if you're sick, it's hard to be mobile, and especially if you're you know, like you don't have you know, a kin network near you and you're just, you know, you on your own, it's hard to get from A to B. And then you're just, you're, you know, your healthcare just continues to, uh, I mean, your health continues to decline. Uh, so just things like that, uh, they don't even seem like, oh, well, how is that a healthcare? It's like, no, these microbus transport, transport helps. Um, just access, like tele, telehealth, telemedicine. Uh, I mean, during COVID, they relaxed a lot of the uh, regulations against it. 
Uh, and people immediately had a great thing because, again, I mean, just like with the nurse practitioners, a doctor doesn't necessarily need to be face-to-face with you if you describe what's going on. And they're like, hmm, sounds bad, sounds like this, try this, and, and we'll go, you know. They get, and that worked for so many people, especially if it was just getting the, the, uh, uh, their pharmacies pulled. And speaking of um, how, allowing things like uh, Mark Cuban's Cost Plus uh, uh, Pharmacy uh, is radically lowering uh, yeah. the cost. I mean, there's lots of other things that go over to lower that, but he's basically saying, here's the cost of a pill. I'm going to get my markup, and that's what you pay. Boom. That's it. No insurance. You just you pay it, and it's like sometimes like 80 to 90% discounts off of what you would pay. Uh, and, I think, and that's, again, paying even what you would pay after after coverage, which isn't covered in a lot of uh, people's insurance these days. So th- yeah. there's a lot of things that we can do for uh, the, for health uh, healthcare that, again, don't require anything other than just stopping the state from inf- interfering. Which which applies to so many things, Brian. I'll share a link for, for Mark Cuban's Cost Plus Drugs. That's a really interesting uh, bench that he's, he's leaned into, really bringing costs down for people to make medication much more affordable. Folks can dig into that and check that out more. And um, Brian, I really appreciate it. I mean, you've, you've hit some really important topics here. And I think one of the biggest ones that's often overlooked, again, by a lot of folks in my neck of the woods, is a lot of this is really geared towards getting help and access and availability of healthcare to those that don't have it, you know, five minutes away, right? You talked about our mountainous regions, our more rural regions. There's parts around the state where people don't have immediate accessibility to healthcare professionals. And the goal is here to make it easier and, and still safe and responsible for them to get the care they need. And we've got to think past our own backyard and sort of think about others around the state in a very diverse state that we are here in Virginia, where people have different needs and, and they, they need solutions that help them get the care that they need. So, Brian, thank you for explaining this. Thanks for taking the time to talk about it. Folks can dig into it more if you've got questions. Believe me, Brian is an encyclopedia of useful knowledge here. He can dive into it in great depth. <laughs> We're sorry that Chris Frazier's not with us today, but Chris is out right now experiencing some of that wonderful Virginia healthcare and non-transparent billing is <laughs> the arrival of his first child. So we miss him today, but we're looking forward to getting him back here next week. Brian, before we before we wrap things up, anything else on your mind, healthcare, otherwise you'd like to share throw out there for folks that are listening? Oh, yeah, well, you know, just that uh, uh, Chiefs in the Super Bowl, woo, I know that's a controversial. Everyone thinks, oh, the refs gave it to him. It's like, well, you know, bad plays are a part, I mean, bad calls are a part of the game. I mean, that's just the way it is, so. Uh, you can't like, oh, the one thing that happens to everybody is a bad thing. The uh, only thing is, like, I was sad, and then my heart breaks for the Lions because I really wanted to be in the uh, Super Bowl. And if they got in the Super Bowl, I would have actually been rooting for them. Uh, I mean, that's just a heartbreaker. But, uh, you know, you know, hats off to an amazing season to uh, the Lions, usually like uh, the bo- you know, basement dwellers, but actually getting, you know, one step away. So close, but, I mean, really proud of their season. So. Yeah, yeah, good for them. I did, I did want to have Eminem versus uh, Taylor Swift uh, in the Super Bowl, but oh. <laughs> I think a lot of people did. A lot, you know, I, I think you know I've, I've been a, a long-time Lions fan, a long-time suffering Lions fan, and it's been fun to see the reaction of folks You know, the last 24 hours from frustration and disbelief to a lot of folks like myself really supporting and standing by you know, our head coach and the team. It's very difficult to uh, armchair quarterback. Well, it's not difficult. It's difficult to fairly quarterback <laughs> coaches and decisions they make. So yeah, I thought it was a fun weekend of football. Sorry to see the Lions go out. But as I've been telling people, certainly this season surpassed expectations. And Detroit's got a lot to be really proud of and a lot more to come, I think, in, in the years ahead. So 
um, definitely a good weekend of football. It's going to be a fun Super Bowl. Um, lots of excitement there. So I'm sure we'll have more to talk about in the weeks ahead. Um, but here, Brian, I think it's probably a great place to stop. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and pause and say thanks to all who are listening. Thank you for being with us for this discussion. As we continue to explore ideas and activities to support a more open Virginia, including greater accessibility and affordability in healthcare, as Brian discussed for us today. We're glad to have you here with us. Thanks for listening. Please consider joining the CLPVA and helping us to fight for a better Virginia. We'll be back next week for another episode, and I'm looking forward to it. We're going to have this very special guest with us to talk about a very interesting topic, so that'll be fun. Looking forward to it. Please come back and check that out. Reach out to us anytime, and thanks for being part of this community. Until next week, here's to open markets, open minds, and free people. Cheers.